Welcome, everybody, to another chapter of Better People, Better Business. Uh, I've got the good fortune today of being able to have a chat to the sage, Mr. Shane Bonzer. Um, Shane is a part of TDG. I've known Shane for a while, cracking individual. His experience, particularly inside mining, is uh, pretty significant. Um, held a bunch of different roles. But, um, and the coolest thing I think about Shane is he started off much like a lot of us inside the business start off swinging a spanner, like we started with the ground roots, um, which helps offer a really interesting perspective that's quite gold. Um, so g'day, Shane. Andrew, how are you? I am well. Awesome. Um, so sorry, I hope I didn't make you blush with that little bit of an intro, but no, he, he is amazing and very clever in the work that he does um, and, and also highly pragmatic. So uh, to carry the theme on, you know, better people, better business, um, one of the things that we've really been talking to different people about is, you know, what they're seeing inside of industry, yep. um, their reflections. You've had Louise and others, um, Louise, Chris, et cetera, upon the team, and they're all seeing uh, similar but different pieces around, often around, yeah, people, program or process, the model that we talk to. At the moment when you're out there and the client you're working with, um, What's the big question for them at the moment? What's the challenge that they're trying to work out how to deal with? Yeah, I think the, from, a, from a, a training and competency side of things, um, new to industry is, is big at the moment. We have a lot of new people coming into the mining industry in particular at the moment mm. um, with a lot of, I suppose, different sorts of backgrounds. Um, mm. We have, you know, from my experience, I've worked with people that uh, were working for McDonald's two weeks ago and they're now going up to a mine site to be a truck driver. Yeah, well. so, yeah so that's a big, big uh, change in, in what they're doing and that sort of thing. And I suppose the some of the organisations, one, one particular one I've worked for previous, um, they were really keen on addressing how they manage these people um, because it's a big career change and you're trying mm. to get people into that mindset um, that you, you've got to, be on, got to be on the ball when you're up on site. Yeah. So, yeah, and um, some, some, some work that we're currently doing for a client as well, they, they're doing a similar sort of program um, where they're looking at how they can bring people up to site, put them through um, a suite of training uh, that's done on site um, so to ensure that those people have the best skill and the best knowledge base that they can possibly take on board and learn yeah. what they, that, that what's required for the job. So, Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? At one level, you, you, you kind of go, you know, and it is, and, and people often go, oh, you're just making it up, McDonald's to a truck driver. No, no, no. That's no, real. It's, it's real. Yeah. Uh, two parts of that. One is big shift. Um, yep. Is it, is it doable? Most certainly. Cool. And, and I think that's the piece I find really exciting is um, that you can do that, that someone can do that, and yep. opens them to a whole other industry that uh, they possibly in the past never thought they could. Correct. Um, and it's really exciting. You know, at one level, people just, just, oh, how can they ever? But you can do it. Yeah. And what an amazing opportunity for those people. Yeah. Cracking opportunity. So, so when we talk about that you can do it, what does that require? And I guess, um, you know, one of the things we talk about very much is when we think about any learning approach, any training and competency approach, it, it's, you know, one of the conversations we have a lot of is it's got to be programmatic. 
Yeah. Um, what does that mean to you inside some of the work you've done with clients? What does that mean? So I'm sitting on the other end of this podcast going, programmatic, what do you, what do you mean? I suppose, yeah, what, what, what we mean there, I, I suppose, is, is breaking the program down to, I suppose, baby steps. Mm. Introduction. Um, so, you know, like any organisation, you'll have an introduction, you'll do an induction, um, you'll get shown around site. And I suppose from there, what a lot of these organisations are starting to look at now is, okay, instead of them doing a lot of that training on site, what can we do, I suppose, in a, in a, a simulated environment? Mm. Um, as I said, underground truck simulators are huge now. Mm. Um, and a lot of, of organisations are actually coming on board with that program now. So when someone goes to site, look, no one or nothing will ever beat someone sitting in a truck and... Mm. As I explained to them when I was working with them, giving the wall a kiss for the first time in a sixty-ton piece of equipment with a sixty-ton of material on the back, it it stops pretty quickly. Yes. So I suppose simulation is awesome, um, but it just gives people a bit of a heads up as to what they can expect. You know, you can I suppose the upside to a lot of these um, training that's done this way now is it gives people a real feel of what it what what it, what what it really means to do the job. Mm. Um, and, you know, classic example, you know, you, you can do everything from pre-start requirements. You can do brake tests. You can do a whole array of things. You can e even do fire simulations, um, yeah. which is one of the biggest issues that any underground miner has a fear of, a fire's mm. underground um, mm. because they can be catastrophic. Um, mm. And as I said, we can, we can give people that sort of skill set for them to be able to handle that probably a little bit better. Now, no one, you, you can't ever guarantee someone's going to do it exactly by the book, but if they can, you know, handle it and, 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 and do it safely, um, I think that's, that's definitely a positive. Yeah, and I think the old saying, you know, people say practice makes perfect, but I was happily go, practice makes better. Yeah. And doing it in a simulated tool before you then, because I'm guessing with the introduction of simulated tools, then if we go back 10, 20 years, uh, the game was a little, yeah, I can see the smile. The game was a little clunkier. It most definitely. Um, my introduction to driving a truck underground was the little plastic patio chairs that you have out in the backyard. Mm. One of those was bolted to the bonnet of the truck and I had a piece of rope. That was my seatbelt. Mm. Um, and you sat next to the driver. Mm. So he had the air, he, well, he didn't have an air conditioned cab because they were, they weren't even uh, a thing back then. So he had an open cab. He'd be sitting there and I'd be sitting next to him on the bonnet of the truck. And someone as young and sprightly as you, that was, you know, only five or 10 years ago, of course. But. Oh, yeah, no, it was a lot longer than that, Andrew, yeah. But yeah, things have changed. And yeah, yeah massive. Yeah, and it, it is, um, there's a bunch of questions. And one of the, and I'm and I'm being very mindful of what people might be asking. One of the things I'd, that I think is interesting is what drove the change. What do you think was the reasons they did change? Oh, I think um, work health and safety has has really come into the fore now. I'm, mm. I know when I first started mining, um, you know, and I, for someone like myself that had never been underground before, I sat in a classroom for an hour. Um, on the way out, they said to me. Um, go and grab one of those silver things. I said, what's that? They said, it's a self-rescuer. Um, for the people that don't know what a self-rescuer it is, it's what you put on if there's a fire underground. It, it provides mm -hmm. you with, with breathable air. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I said, okay, cool. How does that work? They said, you'll work it out. And that was it. That was my introduction to mining. Um, mm-hmm. I come from a background where I used to be a butcher. So that was a big career step for me too. Um, mm. And it was a real steep learning curve. Thankfully, mm. I come out the other side. Um, mm. But I believe, you know, that that's a big change. And, you know, it's no longer acceptable for people to go to work and get hurt. Correct. Um, yeah, that, that's been the biggest change I've seen in the industry. And it is it is good to see, I know, with the clients we work with, <coughs> they... Uh, they have a similar view, you know. I think probably years gone by, there was a little bit of that it was unknown or lack of regard, but it's certainly shifted. Um, and it's it's nice to see. Actually, we have a couple of cracking clients who it isn't just to be able to meet compliance. Yep. They actually they they believe in that mantra which you took. You know, everybody gets to go home safe, and and some of them who take their mantle a little bit further, which is um, I think the the best way to do business is. And it's something we talk about is it's not our job isn't just to help people go home the same way they came in. The opportunity across that shift structure is to help them go home better. Yeah, most you know, definitely. Yeah, you, know, you have you have this time to invest in people to help them be a better person. Um, so with so with new to industry folk, what are the biggest challenges they face? Um. Oh, you know, if you take it right back to the bare basics, shift work is a classic. Now, mm. A lot of people have never worked night shift before. Mm. Um, and now that's going to be part of their regular routine, you know, a week of days or a week of nights, or if it's a week on, week off roster, it's an alternative, different setup each time they go up to site. Um, so that's that's real. Um, 12-hour days and, is another one. And as I say, night shifts aren't quite like doing an all-nighter, are they? It's a little no. bit different. I, 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 when I used to do night shift, I found the first one was quite easy. It was just mm. like being out all night. Um, but uh, from day two onwards, that was um, always a bit of a challenge for myself. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely, you know, and, you know, we talk about 12 hours um, and people go, oh, yeah, it's a 12-hour. It's that's 12 hours on site. You've got your time to travel in the morning, hop up, go to have a shower, go to the mess, get your food, hop on a bus, go to work. So your 12 hours becomes a 15 to 16 hour day very, very quickly. Mm. And then if you want to, you know, have a chat, touch base with the wife or the, your partner, the kids, um, and you hop up and you do, all, do it all again the next morning. So, yeah, they're, they're long days. Surely I can just grab an Uber and nick into town. Uh, no. Um, one of the places I worked at, um, I think the closest mine, the mine was about 500 kilometres to the nearest town. So yeah, I was in the middle of nowhere. Which is another big challenge for people who may have, like we use a McDonald's example. Yep. That, that person was, um, you know, he or she was very much somewhere in a location that had a McDonald's and you've got to be a certain size to have a McDonald's. Yep. They're pretty clever. They know yep. what works and that's a reasonable size place. The places we're talking about, but to play, there might be there's some of these mine sites are pretty significant the yeah. amount of people, and yes, it's in the middle of the desert. Right. Um, there's not too many mines sitting in the middle of suburbia. No, no, I haven't seen many actually. <laughs> <laughs> Funny that you know, yeah, um, yeah. and that is another pretty significant thing that people have to learn to deal with, isn't it? Because it's yeah. remote, remote. It's about as remote as you can get some of these places. Oh, for sure. Um, as I said, you know. Uh, one of the places I worked at was um, it was a three and a half hour flight from from Perth. So 
to give you a rough idea, it was in the middle of nowhere. It really was. Mm. Um, and that was the site that was about 500 kilometres inland from, I think it was from Port Hedland. So it was in the middle of the desert. And, and you also get, you know, other things I think are interesting. And you suddenly develop a, either an intense like or dislike of orange or yellow or pink, you know, depending yeah. upon the organisation's colour. Yeah. You, you have very set requirements around clothing. Very, very regimented, yep. And it's, again, all in the service of keeping, giving you the right type of protection and PPE, Correct. as we call yep. it, to keep you safe. Yep. It's cool. So when we talk about, um, before we break the state, you talked about sort of having this uh, initial piece around induction, et cetera. Um, it, it's, a, it's an interesting piece, isn't it, a programmatic approach where we very much think about how someone walks through the different levels, you know, the right just-in-time training, for want of a better word, so that they're getting the right kind of knowledge when they need it, where they need it. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know, with one of the models we talk about, you know, we step, you know, understanding what are the compliance requirements for a business, what are the core, compl- core, core elements of the business around the fundamentals, what are the bits and pieces that help make the business, and then the real journey, which is something I think, um, you know, with simulators and what you're talking about there, the journey to competency is, is, um, can only happen when those compliance and core pieces are in place. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing, uh, you know, and we don't talk about who and who because it's not helpful, but I'm guessing there are still um, examples out there of uh, people who have their whole approach to getting somebody from green or, uh, you know, um, not new to industry through to competent, um, I'm suspecting a lot. Some people have some programmatic approach that is probably less programmatic and a little bit more cluttered and a little bit more noisy and a little bit less useful. Yeah. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, most definitely. Um, everyone learns at different levels. Um, and with competency-based training, you know, you, I've seen people that have hopped in a truck, never never driven a truck before underground, um, mm. spent a day with someone and picked it up and just run with it. And I've seen other people that have taken eight to ten shifts for them to feel comfortable to get to that point where we can go, okay, are you ready for assessment? So, yeah, it's a real difference. Um, As I said, there's differences between people's learning abilities, I suppose. So what we try and do to cater for that, so when we're any training that we're doing, we structure it in a way where it's very repetitive. And it's, it's, it's like driving your car. When you first got your driver's licence, you had the basic skill set to drive the car, understand what the road rules were, and hopefully over a period of time, you got better at it. Mm. As we all know, some people have and some people <laughs> haven't. So, Stop looking then, at me. Stop looking at me when you say that. <laughs> I haven't been in the car with you, Andrew, but um, <laughs> no, it's all good. But, yeah, yeah. so that's, that's – and, and working on a mind site is so different. You know, mm. it's, it's the same sort of process. Um, and I suppose the people that we we have on site now that 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 make that call um, really have a better understanding now. Is it's not as simple as after four days you will be ticketed and you will be gone. Mm. Um, a lot of the sites have got had and they've had to change that because of that situation where some people were good to go after four days and some people weren't. So yeah, it, and and companies are, are very understanding of that now. Mm. So it's that piece of, I think it's a core piece you talk about. Um, we, often, again, we, we hear this all the time, people talk about training. 
I think the piece that you're talking to really strongly and beautifully is and competency. Correct. Um, there's a lot of work that often gets done in training, but there's no assurance that it's done through competency. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the big shifts that's happening in industry and yeah. uh, for, for lots of good reasons and clients are asking for help for and how, how do we help the person, you know, he or she, get from where they are to a place of competency in a meaningful way, yep. demonstrably safe, skilled, and effective. Yep. Um, and that's a that's uh, yeah, it's always opportunity to continue to make that better. Um, and I know some of the work you're doing at the moment is helping um, one organisation, even from a perspective of um, getting the right type of training that will serve the actual event and the outcome you're trying to achieve. Correct. Because um, yeah. I suspect it's something else that you will be seeing, and I know we see it, I'll, you know, spoiler alert, is there's this bias towards towards certain training modes yep. that, that may or may not be helpful. Yep. Um, uh, tell us a bit about that. Is there anything you've seen or oh, see? I think the, the biggest thing is from, from my experiences from being out in the field, there's not one size that fits all. So as I said, it gets back to individuals. Everyone has a different capability and the way they learn, mm. uh, and as as a as a trainer or someone that's spending time with those individuals, you, you you and most of your trainers these days are pretty good at picking up on those those cues, um, mm. and they can adjust their training to ensure that they may have a different way of getting to the end of the road. But at the end of the day, they still get the same information. They may have taken a little bit longer to get there, but they've been given the right information. So, so you're saying that. Um and, I, and this is not a rock throw, but you're saying that e-learn doesn't do everything. Oh, look, e-learning has a place. Um, I'm, yeah, I, I have my own personal opinion on e-learning. Um, and look, it, it definitely has a place, but you, you can't do everything. If you were relying on a, a hands-on sort of job like mining, for argument's sake, there's some elements that could be done online, but nothing yep. will actually ever be you know, as I say to you, it's like sitting in a simulator versus sitting in a truck on site. Until mm. you give the wall a bit of a tap for the first time, um, yeah, you, it's 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 reality. Mm. Yeah. And that's, uh, look, thank you. Beautiful segue. You didn't mean to do that, but it's beautiful because what was going in my head was, you know, we often, one of the things I talk about with clients is there's three types of reality that are useful for training. Um, and it's you know, virtual reality, augmented reality, and plain old-fashioned reality. Yeah. Uh, and, and each of those modes, so for me, virtual reality isn't always necessarily putting your headset on. It can be taking you down the pathway of a really well-built e-learn that yeah. may be the best way to get that bunch of data in front of somebody and consumed um, so they can hang on to it. Because ultimately, any approach to learning, sorry, I'll just take that back, any, any training that is done, the outcome that we want is for someone to learn. Correct. Yep. And and again, a conversation I have with a lot of clients is a lot of organisations, and particularly with new starts, particularly with new starts, we've got all this training for our new starts. We don't, like, we're good. Okay. So for all this training you do, how much do people actually learn? Yep. Um, and, and it's a conversation we have a lot of. And again, I know it's some work you do with an organisation at the moment. Inside that macro journey that begins with the learner into the organisation, there's a bunch of clutter. Yep. Um, you know, is that something you're seeing as well? 
Oh, yeah, most definitely. And I think one of the work, some of the work we're doing with one of the clients at the moment is is pretty powerful. So what they're doing is they're, it's a bit of a culmination of all of those learning capabilities. So there's a classroom element, mm. there's some practical elements in there, uh, there's some virtual reality stuff that they're doing. And then in between that to, I suppose, to enhance and enforce the learning, or not, well, it probably not, enforce is probably not a good word. Enable. Enable, instill. That learning is okay. They're gone from a classroom. They're now actually gone to the gone underground, and they're actually doing that task underground. And it's, it's. I suppose it's helping people put all the pieces together, and just draw that picture. And and that way, then the trainers can then go. Just so you're aware, in this sort of situation, these are some of the hazards of working in this area. So, yeah, it's um because yeah, you can read all that material. Um, you can tick a box to say that, that, yes, they've done it, but until they actually get down there, get a bit of a feel for it, that's when the real learning starts to, 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 to fall into place. Beautiful. And it is that, you know, training helpful learning is fabulous. Yep. And the, the key thing for me around learning, and I know you believe this, is uh, the difference between it's all about application. Yep. You know, so you can have a whole head full of knowledge and even some base practice like VR otherwise until, and that's really helpful at starting the application, getting you to a safe place to physically go and do with yep. some supervision. That's where the learning begins. Correct. As you, as you said, to use the language, not being an, an underground or even mining broadly, um, myself inside my career until uh, you know, recently, it's, um, what'd you say, tap the wall? <laughs> until you tap the wall, you know, um, it all changes. It does. Uh, yes, and I probably would never have the good fortune of tapping a wall. Um, I can vouch for that, Andrew. I've tapped the wall many occasions underground and different places <laughs> of equipment. So, yep. Uh, and you learn. You do. But, yeah, you, but, but, it, but through the process that you were going through, you knew what to do when. Correct, yeah. And, and I think that's the piece that I'm really incredibly impressed by with a lot of clients and obviously the work you do is a lot of miners more, more so that's probably the focus of the work in TDG that you're leading is very much around helping them do even better with yeah. how they are getting their people new to industry to a place of job competence right yeah. um, really powerful and impactful so question for you um, if you were if uh, if I was someone listening to this and you know, and I'm you know, working in the industry and I've kind of I know that we need a bit of help in this world, um, what sort of stuff should they be looking at in regard to having a look at where their organisation is? Like if you were to go in there, what kind of things just to give them a, give them a hand to to be able to start doing a bit of looking, learning, thinking, and framing up? I guess uh, understanding where their business is at. What sort of things should they be looking at? I suppose, first of all, you probably need to look at their, I suppose, the, the, their culture, you know, the, I suppose some of their, their, their key policy statements, you know, um, and then I suppose to back that up, have a look at, I suppose, some of the other statistics that sit in amongst that information mm. and um, you, you get to gauge organisations reasonably quickly. You know, it's easy to go, oh, we're going to do this, 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 this and this, but if they're not doing that, they're not going to change. So if they're looking internally, they're going to, you know, if they're new to the business even, they kind of go, well, there's all these things in the wall that say we do. Yep. Then looking, you know, that's great and it's important because it's important to say what you're going to do. The next piece, obviously, is to look inside the actual practical application. Correct. Is yep. this being done? 
Yep. Um, and that, you know, so that's one cool. That's one piece which is around, I guess it's um, saying, doing what you say. Yep. Um, when it comes to then having a look at the training space, if we just broadly training competency space, what should they be looking for in there? What? Well, I think, you know, having a look at their, their training matrices and, and just seeing, you know, how many people are ticketed or have qualifications for equipment. Um, a big one for me, whenever I've been in the training space and um, if I start a new, with a new organisation, is, is have a look at, I suppose, how many people's training has, I suppose, um, mm. fallen mm. away. So it's expired. Currency, yep. Currency versus, yeah, uh, non, you know, non-compliance and that sort of stuff. So mm. um, red on a matrix is always a bit of a concern for me um, when, whenever I have a look at a, a training. And just, just to explain to us, because, again, there may be people who are less familiar, what does red on a matrix mean? Basically, you don't have the qualification or it's expired. So in application out there in the field, if somebody's doing driving that truck and they're currency or their qualification or their you know the the underlying competency has expired and again yep. i'm being careful here because people would say competency is once competent always competent yep. yep but what we're looking for is the application of it in a currency state yeah if, and I- if, the, if the application the currency is not there that's a significant risk for the individual and the oh, business. for sure and, and his think- work his or her work peers and i think in the in the industry as well um <clears throat> As people are moving through the industry now and they're progressing and they're going from one piece of equipment to another piece of equipment, mm. a lot of organisations want their people to be multi-skilled, which is mm. awesome. Mm-hmm. One of the downfalls of that is, say for argument's sake, I have a truck qualification and I've kept it current through a VOC process every couple of years, but I don't... VOC, give a- jargon term. So, yeah, sorry, my bad. Verification of competency. Thank you. Cheers. Um, so if, say for argument's sake, I d- jump on a truck once every two years to revalidate that qualification, have I ticked the boxes just purely to say that, yes, you can drive the truck? Because there's a whole lot more to driving a truck than getting someone sit with you for half, half an hour watching you drive from point A to point B. So people people's skill set... <clears throat> um, if someone hasn't been on a truck for a long period of time, there comes a point where you have to have that conversation with management. Okay, he's now on a loader. Um, does he really require that other piece of training? If not, take it off of him because mm. it gets a little bit scary from time to time because trucks underground are huge. Um, mm. There's not a great deal of room. And the last thing I want um, if I'm driving my light vehicle underground is coming up against a truck driver that used to be a great truck driver Five years ago, he hasn't been on one for some time. Um, he's probably not going to be as sharp as he used to be. I think that's a really powerful conversation around currency, isn't it? Correct. And, and, and you know, if you have a good, if you understand the work your team does, if you understand the competencies required, if you have a programmatic approach that understands how someone will journey through, if you also have, a, have the tools in place that can manage and measure a competency <coughs> assurance system, you're able to then understand understand who should hold what and when and, and if you've done the analysis behind it you also have an understanding of when currency becomes at risk or problematic yep um you know that's one of the things we talk about um and that's that's not just mining that's no. anywhere. 
that's, uh, you know, health, hospitality, infrastructure, oil and gas, mining, it's irrelevant. There's this piece around, you know, skills used and held, not just held. You know, skills held, they fade. You know, I don't know about Almost. anyone else listening, but I, I forget stuff. Oh, most definitely. It's no different than when you first started driving your, your, your vehicle and you drove your hands 10 and 2. Mm. After you've been driving for six months, you generally drive around the corner with one hand on the wheel. Mm. Um, it's not saying that you're a bad driver, but it's just little habits creep in, um, good yep. and bad. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and, absolutely. The veri- and by verifying people's competencies at a certain set date, whatever the company decides on, it just gives people an opportunity just to make sure that if people are operating equipment, that those little bad habits are creeping in, if that makes sense. Mm, it does, and it's, it's, it's great conversation, great advice. Beyond all that amazing stuff you just shared, new person coming to the industry, um, is it a good industry to be involved in? Oh, most again, again, I'm going to train this for people. Shane particularly has a bias um, in our business toward mining, that while he does work inside oil and gas and others, um, his skill set is pretty broad. He certainly loves mining. So, Yeah, look, I, I believe anybody that wants to give mining a crack now is definitely the best time to, to give it a go. Mm. Um, one of the things I thoroughly enjoyed my time mining was some of the mateship and the camaraderie um, from the crew members. Mm. Um, you, you'll get to meet some real characters um, along the way um, and you'll have some lifelong friends that you will, you will, you will generate through, 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 through the industry. Um, mm. And as big as the industry is, it's a very close-knit industry as well. Mm. Yeah, and, that's really cool. And I think it's um, the other nice thing is probably years ago, there were a fewer range of jobs. Like the cool thing in the mining industry organisation now, there's just continually anything. Yeah. Um, be it city or be it out in the out in the desert. Like, yep. so many different types of roles and so expansive. It's just an yep. amazing institution to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I've, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it for the last. Um, good God, I started in '96 working underground. So, and I've been doing it since then sort of thing. I had a couple of little gaps in between, a bit of time off doing a few other little bits and pieces, but, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. And it, the beauty of it is you, it's something you can always go back to as well. Mm. Yes, so you, you don't regret leaving the butcher. Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> That's really cool. Thank you, Shane. So for everyone who's listening, I guess the summary for me is, you know, being mindful on a, on a level around people who are new to industry, just if you've got new people coming in, Think about how they begin their journey, what kind of story you're telling them when they walk in the door, even before they walk in the door, yeah. and then how you can journey them through from, you know, basically making sure they're compliant to being job competent. What does that look like? And mapping that out, understanding the requirements. And I know there's some other podcasts we talk about skill analysis, et cetera. All of that plays into this. Uh, we didn't necessarily go down that rabbit hole because we have in other places. Yep. Um, but it is a cracking industry. Um, no, nothing is perfect, but it certainly tries to do its best. And, uh, yeah, thank you, Shane. No, um, good on you, Andrew. We hope everybody out there has had an opportunity to learn a little bit about the mining industry and how we look at helping them become better. Cool. Thank you. Thank you very much. Here's Andrew. Have a good one.